minister here at the church. And uh, last week, we started a series called, Oh, the Places We'll Go. Uh, it's not the gospel according to Seuss. Thanks to Magdi for putting that in my brain. Uh, we're talking about living the life of ambassadors. As the Apostle Paul calls us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We talked last week about how ambassadors need to be ready. Ambassadors need to be ready, and ambassadors are ready when we have a surrendered heart. We have surrendered hearts when we are focused on God's word, when we are meeting the needs of others, and when we are praising God with our lives. This week, we're going to see that actually play out in scripture in a story in the book of Acts. You see, being an ambassador means being a representative. It, it means that we are representing Christ through, through every corner of our lives. And today in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, I want us to pay special attention to how is Christ represented by Peter and John in this encounter they have. How is Christ amplified by Peter and John with this man? How is Christ exalted by their actions and their words? And I want to challenge our learning today. I want to challenge how we learn today. Because, because learning really is, um, like a lot of the time we think of learning, we think of learning up here, right? We think of learning with, with our minds, and we think of being informed about something. But I don't want us to just be informed by our time in God's Word today, but I want us to be transformed. So I want to learn here, but I also want to learn in our hearts, because I think if we learn in our hearts, then we'll start to learn with our hands, and we'll start to do something about it, rather than just learn something about it, okay? So, Acts chapter 3, you guys ready? This is a good one, I like it. I mean, all of Scripture is a good one, but this is a good one. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go to, into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. Now that song's running through your mind, is it not? And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is God's word for us today. Now, I love this story, right? I love this story, right? Because I, I love because it amplifies Christ. 
Did you see how it does that? Did, how, how, how was Christ exalted? How was Christ represented through the actions and words of Peter and John? You see, we can learn in our minds and in our hearts today through this passage. And, and when we learn in this passage, will hopefully help us change how we represent Christ in our everyday lives. Amen. I think there's three takeaways. You're like, hey, takeaways, we're there already? No, 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 we're just getting started. There's three takeaways of this passage that we can gather from Peter and John today as to how we might represent Christ as we leave this room. The first is this. The reflection of Christ is seen in how we pause. The reflection of Christ is seen in how we pause. You see, on their way to keep up with their Jewish religious customs, to keep in step with their spiritual rhythms and routine, to continue to live out Acts 2, 42, and 46, which we talked about last week, devoting themselves to prayers and daily attending the temple together. Peter and John are on their way to the temple for the evening sacrifice and the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, which would have been 3 p.m., And as they're approaching the temple, a lame man had been carried through the city up to the temple and placed at the beautiful gate. Bible commentators have speculated for quite a while about which gate this would have been. And I love love how as Christians we get hung up on things that are really cool but not vitally important. Amen. We get hung up on these kinds of things. And so they suggest it might have been the Nicanor Gate, which would have been made of Corinthian bronze. Ooh, Magnificent columns. Others believe that the gate would have been the southernmost gate in the western wall at Robinson's Arch. But what matters matters most is that the lame man was placed there daily to beg for alms. And Peter and John were about to encounter him on their way to pray at the evening sacrifice. Verse 3 tells us that the lame man saw Peter and John as they were about to enter the temple and he asked for them to give him something. Now Luke makes it very clear. Uh, He makes a special note of Peter and John stopping and pausing. He writes, Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. Peter and John looked intently at him. They, They stared at him. That's what those words mean. They stared at him. While most people pass by without even looking at him, or they drop money at his feet out of habit or guilt, Peter and John, they stop what they're doing. They discontinue their journey, obviously, towards the temple for the 3 p.m. prayer. That's why he's there. And they look at the man that most people pass by. Peter tells him to look at them, to observe them, to see them. And verse 5 tells us that the lame man fixed his attention on them. Now they've locked eyes with each other, and he is expecting to receive something from them now. I mean, why else would you go to the trouble of stopping to talk to him or making a big deal about giving alms to someone unless you had something of great value to give them and you wanted them to see what was about to happen? You see, there is something incredibly valuable in their pause. When they stop their journey, when when they stop what they're doing, the value in their pause transfers to the value in the person. They've stopped long enough to see him, to engage with him. 
just as we talked about last week, ambassadors meet needs. They, they don't run away from them. They don't walk past them. They don't assume someone else will take care of them. They meet needs. And as Peter and John pause and lock eyes with him, they recognize this man does not need silver or gold, which is good because their pockets are empty. No, this man needs Jesus. The reflection of Christ is seen in how we pause. It's in how we stop and pay attention. It's, it's, it's in how we neglect our agenda for the needs of others. It's, it's in how we stop going in our direction and start following God's. Reflecting Christ is found in how we pay attention to others, stopping for the person in our path, leaning into and showing interest in others. When we pause our journey to engage in someone else's, we're communicating value, love, care, and compassion. Pausing allows us to listen carefully, to learn fully, and to love unconventionally. If we look through the Gospels, we see Jesus time and again doing this. Stepping up and stepping into someone else's circumstances. I love the story in Mark 5. Jesus heals Jairus' daughter. Jairus comes to Jesus while he is with a large crowd of people. He pushes his way to the front and he asks Jesus to heal his daughter who is about to die. He asked that Jesus would come and lay hands on her so that she might be made well and live. And on their journey, someone from Jairus' house comes and tells him she has died. And, and this, this person from the house says, why trouble the teacher any further? But Jesus continues and says, do not fear, only believe. And he goes and he heals her. He steps into someone else's circumstances. He pauses his journey. And if we look into our own lives, we see Jesus time and again doing this for us, do we not? As he continually shows himself to us with value, love, care, and compassion, whether through his word or through his church. I remember seeing that for the first time when I was eight and my mom went through cancer for the first time. I got to see the church be the church. It was incredible. And I still remember it 30 years later. You see, life change doesn't happen for this man. If Peter or John toss him a nickel on the way to the temple to feel good about the way they gave to the poor, life change begins the moment they stop. The moment they look intently at him. The, the moment they pause what they're doing to engage in conversation with this man. They listen carefully, learn fully, and love unconventionally. And life change is coming because the reflection of Christ showed up as they showed up. They paused their journey to engage in his. In this moment, to this man, they were the reflection of Jesus. They were representing Jesus in the careful and intentional time they spent with him. The reflection of Christ is seen in how we pause with others. The second takeaway that we have as ambassadors in this passage is this, the power of Christ is shown in the hand that we offer. It's not just in the pause that we take, but it's also in the hand that we offer. 
Verses 6 through 8 says, But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and enter the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. So Peter and John pause. They engage with this man and his need And as he holds out his hand to receive some money from them, he receives something he didn't even know he was looking for or that was possible. Peter tells him he doesn't have what he's looking for, but he has what he needs. He needs healing. And not just just healing, but he needs restoration. And and not not just restoration, but he needs new life. He says to him, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, which simply means by the authority of. Peter's saying that this miracle that is about to happen is because of Jesus. He's he's citing Jesus for the miracle here. Peter's giving credit where credit is due. It's not a magic act. It's not a misuse of the Lord's name. It's simply saying, this miracle is brought to you by Jesus. Peter speaks these words to him, takes him by the hand, whether to assist or to assure him, and lifts him off the ground. And scripture tells us that his feet and ankles were immediately made strong. So listen, PTs, I'm sorry, there was no physical therapy needed here. No muscular atrophy had occurred. Simply strong, healthy feet and ankles for a man that has never known this way of life. This is new life. I mean, everything in his old life is is no longer needed. He doesn't need to be carried to the beautiful gate, wherever that is. He doesn't need to be carried there anymore. He doesn't need to feel like a burden on his family or friends anymore. He doesn't need to sit at the side of the road and beg anymore. He has been given a new life by the power of Christ and through the words and hands of Peter and John. And he cannot contain himself. He's so excited. He's he's leaping up. He stood. He began to walk. He entered the temple with Peter and John. He was walking, leaping, and praising God. Have you ever been that excited before? Where you can't contain your excitement? Maybe it's a gift you got as a child. Anybody have a gift like that that you've ever... Don't worry, I won't poll the audience like we did last week. Uh, I won't do that again. I had positive feedback and some, hey, that was weird. Uh, So I had one as a kid. Uh, Now, I'm the three, I'm the third of three boys. So I didn't get a lot of things that were new. Uh, It was a lot of hand-me-downs from when they were little babies. And so, uh, but I remember one Christmas coming downstairs and seeing the the presents all numbered because that's the way my mom did it where it's like, now open that one next. Now you got to open that one next. He set them in like a sequence. And I remember sitting there going, I think that's the gift I asked for. And that's got to be new because Jason and Joel, they did not have that. That's right. Jason, Joel, Justin were in alphabetical order. I don't know. Um, and I remember sitting there going, I think, I think that's my Nintendo 64. Uh, I am so excited. Like, I, and so we finally get to it. You know, I unwrap the sweater that somebody made and I unwrap socks. Who gives kids socks? Stop giving people socks. 
Nobody likes socks. Don't do that, okay? And so we unwrap the gifts that nobody wants, and then we get to the gift that I'm so excited about, right? And so I, my mom's like, she's like, you can open that one. And so I'm like, yay! So I go over and I pull it out in front of the tree, and it's like enormous, and I rip it open, and it is Nintendo 64. And we're not talking like the Aldi version, right? Well, it's not Nintendo. It's not Nintendo. This is the real deal with the rumble pack on the control. Sorry, I get a little geeked out when I start talking about things of the past. It's just fun. But I remember, like, I'm not a hugger, but I'm handing out hugs. Like, this was great. This was the best day ever. Can't wait to tell my friends and brag to them about it. Like, this is the best thing. So excited. Now, as an adult, I love giving gifts like that, that spark that kind of excitement out of someone else. My kids still like the jaw drop, hit the floor kind of thing. That's so fun. But a few years ago for Christmas, I got my mom this map of her hometown. And it's an old, it's an old like geographical survey map from the Packa store here in town. I found it. It's of Carthage, Illinois, where my mom grew up. And I found it, and it was really cool because on it, it had some, had some landmarks and everything like that. I was like, this is so neat. So I went to Hobby Lobby and found the barnwood frame, you know, put it in there. It was great. I couldn't wait to give it to her because I was like, I'm going to win Christmas. Uh, like, this is going to be the best, okay? So excited because she's going to be walking and leaping and praying. No. Um, so excited to give this gift. And she, oh, well, she opens it. I'm like, yeah, you can open that one. See, now we do that to her where it's like, yeah, you open that one now. Those aren't socks, okay? So we have her open this gift, and she's speechless. Now, for those of you that don't speak mom, that's the beginning of exuberant joy, okay? She is just beyond joy, right? Like this is, if she could be leaping, she would be doing that. And so she opens it and sees this old map of Carthage, Illinois. And she sees where our farmland, her, her parents' farm, would be sitting, and she sees Ferris, Illinois, where her little home church would have been. And then I said, oh, mom, what's, what's this right up here at the top of the map? And up at the top of the map, this, is, this was so cool. This was just, ah, it's great. Was a little tiny school that said Jubilee School. And it was the one-room schoolhouse that my mom attended as a child. And that's when, like, the speechless went to, like, full-on floodgates. Like, it was like, I win. I win. Thank you. Thanks for coming to Christmas. You are welcome. That's what I've got for you today. Let's eat. Let's eat some more. Uh, like it was just, it was great, right? It was just this exuberant joy, this, this joy that brought on emotions, this, this joy that was so beyond excited. That's the kind of joy that we have here in our story, right? We, where we react in ways that we didn't expect, where, where we start to see things we never thought we would see. This is what kind of joy is happening in our story, leaping, walking, praising God. All because the power of Christ was put on display in ways this man never thought would be possible. The power of Christ was given to this man in more than just a nickel. The power of Christ was shown to him through the compassion and, of Christ and the obedience of the ambassadors. The hand offered by the ambassadors is a hand that speaks of strength, help, healing, and grace. Helping him to his feet is where the miracle was made complete. Certainly representing Christ is about showing up. It's, it's about pausing our journey to enter into someone else's. But what we say and the hand we offer once we enter in is extremely important. It's about how we pastor and shepherd as we enter in. 
See, the power of Christ is not just found in the big and grand gestures of miracles, but found in the small gestures of miracles as well. It's, it's about offering words that convey Christ's love and grace, compassion. It's about offering a hand that conveys Christ's strength, help, and healing. If Peter and John had simply given this man silver or gold, it might have satisfied a temporary need for him or himself or his household. But instead, they enter into his journey, paying attention to his needs, and, and they're, they're paying attention to Christ's prompting. And they offer him something that is not temporary but eternal. They offer him new life. See, when we talk about the power of Christ on display through the words and actions of the apostles, it should give a whole new meaning when we talk about God using us as his ambassadors, as his representatives. Because are, are we going to witness the miracle of physical healing? Maybe. Maybe not. But I would guess that we could generate a long line of people here ready to give testimony of God doing amazing things in their lives through the power of prayer. Are we going to grab someone's hand and, and help them stand for the first time in their lives as an adult? Maybe. Maybe not. But the hand we extend to someone in a time of great need, well, that could certainly feel like that. Like they're not just standing for the first time, but they're certainly not standing alone. As ambassadors representing Christ we hold the opportunity to be the reflection of Christ in someone's life. And we have the opportunity to see the power of Christ work through the hands and words that we offer to others. Third and finally, the third takeaway here as ambassadors is the new life in Christ is witnessed through praise. Verses 9 and 10. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This man receives a gift he didn't think was possible. He receives healing that wasn't even on his radar five minutes ago, and now he's walking into the temple with the guys who stopped to talk to him. To, to offer him not a nickel, but new life. And he cannot contain his praise. He's, he's causing a, a holy disturbance, a divine disruption to the service of evening sacrifice in the hour of prayer. The prayer service had started. Everybody's in there. The room is full and he bursts in with Peter and John with a testimony that no one can ignore. And as typical of a miracle narrative in the Gospels, this story ends with the reaction of the crowd. The crowd sees him. They recognize him as the man who used to beg. And they become filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. You see, as he receives this miracle... And as he takes the hand of Peter, the lame man has traded his plea for silver for his praise of the Savior. He's, he's traded begging on the street for praising in the temple. He's traded his need to be carried for his need to be heard. He's traded his old life for new life through the power of Christ in the hands of Peter and John. 
New life in Christ is being witnessed. It's not just being prayed for. It's being witnessed at that moment. It's being seen. The reflection of Christ is seen through Peter and John. The power of Christ is shown through Peter and John. The new life in Christ is witnessed by Peter and John. They serve as Christ's representatives, as ambassadors who weren't on a mission trip. They were not on special assignment. They weren't even going out of their way. Church, listen, this is really important. They were Christ's ambassadors where they were already going. And God placed someone in their path that needed to be ministered to in a way that no one else could and no one else would. Which leads us to our big idea. Ambassadors focus on what God is doing. Ambassadors focus on what God is doing. Because if Peter and John had chosen to keep walking, if if Peter and John had thought someone else will surely help him, if Peter and John had looked right past them and didn't even pay attention, if Peter and John had pulled a Justin and thought, it's going to look bad if we're late for prayer, I mean, we're the apostles, it's going to look bad if we're late for prayer and the evening sacrifice. We need to keep going. We don't have time to stop and help him too. We've already, we've already sold our possessions, right? We're already doing this for the Lord. We don't have time to help him too. Then this man would forever have been known by his ailment instead of by his healing. He wouldn't have received this miracle from Christ through the hands of man. His heart would have been left unfazed and his feet and ankles left untouched and praise would not have come pouring out. Instead of being on time, Peter and John chose to be on mission. They chose to be focused on what God was doing rather than on what they could get done. Just like we did last week, I want to end our time together with two reflection questions. And they're designed, if if ambassadors are to be focused, they're designed to align our hearts and to align our lives. Because I think each and every day, maybe you're like me, we need to realign our purpose and our vision and our focus on God and what he has for us. So the first question is this. Do my thoughts, words, and actions show me to be an ambassador of Christ to others? Do my thoughts, words, and actions show me to be an ambassador of Christ to others? Do my thoughts, words, and actions allow others to see Christ in me? That's the one that'll align our hearts. That's that's the hard one. The second one's a doozy too, though, because this is a question of anticipation and expectancy. The second question is this. Who is God going to place in my path today that I need to lean into? Not who is God going to place in my path this week, because I don't want to give God a whole week. God's going to do that today, and we need to be ready for that. Who is God going to place in my path today that I need to lean into? Maybe it's a complete stranger. Maybe it's your spouse. 
Maybe it's the neighbors that still have fireworks for some reason. Just, it's not just me, good. Maybe it's your coworkers. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's a friend. Who is God going to place in my path today that I need to lean into? Because we said this last week, we'll say it every week. If you've experienced the good news of Jesus, then you're equipped to deliver the good news of Jesus. Let us be ones that deliver. Let us be representatives. Let us be ambassadors. And I can't wait to see the places we'll go. Let's pray.